Hello, folks. Welcome back to the podcast, Raising Daughters. Dr. Tim Jordan here. Really glad you stopped by. And if you're the kind of parent who has a daughter and you're wondering, am I going to be able to remain an influence in her life throughout the teen years and beyond, then this is always the right place to be, to get some information, to get some guidance, and to get some encouragement. I heard a fun story one time about this mom, and this mother was an orthopedic surgeon, and she was driving her young daughter uh, to school one day, to preschool. Her daughter was in the back seat, and the mom noticed that the daughter was playing with her stethoscope. So the mom was thinking to herself, oh my gosh, maybe she's going to follow my footsteps. Maybe she's going to be a, a doctor just like I am, until the little girl piped up and said, uh, she took the little stethoscope, the, uh, the head, and she put it up to her mouth. And she said, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? I think we all have dreams for our kids as they grow up all along the way. But maybe even more important than our dreams for them is, of course, their own dreams for themselves. Is your daughter going to be the next Abby Wambach? I don't know. Does she want to be that? Does she want to become the next Kamala Harris? The next scientist like Madame Curie? Or the primatologist, Jane Goodall? Does she want to be the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I was inspired to do this podcast because of a couple reasons. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first one was I found or refound an old quote in my files by Sarah Ban Brethnock. And the quote goes like this. The world needs dreamers and the world needs doers. But above all else, the world needs dreamers who do. That's a great quote. Above all else, the, world's, the world needs dreamers who do. There's a couple of important concepts within that quote that I want to talk about in this podcast today. The first one is about how do you support your kids' dreams instead of squishing them? Because I hear a lot of parents who, who kind of overdo the practicality piece when their kids have dreams about things because they're, they don't want their kids to be disappointed and have too high expectations. That's one piece of this podcast. The other one's going to be about how do you help kids expand and refine their dreams? Because at some point, there, there is a practicality piece to it. Um, so how can you do that with your kids today? Oh, by the way, that second reason for doing this podcast was I've been hearing so many stories from girls who I work with um, talking about how their parents are discouraging them from certain careers. <clears throat> I've sat in circles a lot with girls in the last 30 years, and especially in the last 10 or so years, I've had a lot of girls tell me that when they tell their parents that they want to be, for instance, a musician or a singer or an artist, that their parents dissuade that because, of course, you can't make money at it. But even worse than that, I've heard twice in the last couple of years, girls tell me that they have always wanted to be a teacher. That's their dream. They love working with kids. They want to be a teacher. And two of these girls have told me their parents said, we will not pay for you to get an education degree because you have way more potential than that. Ugh, I could not believe I heard that. You have more potential than being a teacher? What could be more important than people who are, who are taking care of and educating our young people? I think parents and the culture discourages things like the arts, music, dancing, uh, writing even. I've had a lot of girls wanting to be writers and their parents are dissuading them because, of course, you got to be able to make more money than that. So our kids will dream of being things like astronauts, or they might want to be a cowboy or a professional soccer player. <clears throat> they want, might become, want to become a video game creator. 
They might want to become the next Beyonce or Taylor Swift. And a lot of those dreams come from things that they're experiencing in their life, things that they've seen on TV or movies, things they've experienced around them that excite them. There's interests that they, they start to accumulate because of things that they're attracted to for a variety of reasons. So when your kids come to you and start talking about dreams, what can you do so that you don't squish them? What can you do to allow them to dream big and slowly but surely grow into or out of certain things in a way that's healthy for them? First and foremost is encouragement. Supporting them with encouragement. I read a story about a young girl. She was about nine years of age, years ago. This is like back in the 50s, I believe. And she started talking about wanting to uh, live in Africa and work with animals and write books about animals. And all the people around her made fun of her. They teased her. You know, that's too big of a dream. You're a girl. Girls don't just go off to Africa by themselves. That's what men do. Except her mom. Her mom was the only one who encouraged her. And thank goodness her mom did because because Jane Goodall did end up becoming a person, a woman, who moved to Africa and worked with and lived with chimpanzees and wrote books about them, much to the betterment of our world. And this is a quote from Jane Goodall. If you really want something, you must be prepared to work very hard, take advantage of all opportunities, and above all else, never, ever give up. Kids are not going to work hard and keep at it. It took Jane Goodall a couple of years before those chimpanzees allowed her to be close enough to observe them. That hard work was fueled by her passion and her dream. That's one of the main reasons why we don't want to squish our kids' dreams is because they're going to need that passion to propel them along. The American painter, Benjamin West, was seven years of age when one day his mom put him in charge of his little infant niece while she went for a walk. And it was the summertime, it was hot outside, so he was fanning flies over a crib and the baby started laughing. And he was so enamored of this that he grabbed a pen and a paper and he started to draw her to try and capture her smile. Just as he was finishing, his mom returned from her walk and he was kind of off guard, so he tried to hide his drawings, but the mom noticed that, so she said, what are you doing? And he begged his mom not to be upset as he turned over her drawing, his drawings. And when she, looked at it, when she looked at the drawings, she told him, my goodness, that looks just like your niece. The following year, his aunt sent him a box of paints and canvases. And he was so excited that instead of going to school that day, he disappeared into his room and he started drawing. And he was there all day forgetting all about school. His mom became very upset when she found him in the attic and was about to scold him when her eyes fell upon his drawings. And instead of yelling at him and reprimanding him, she picked him up and she covered him with kisses and she promised to explain to his dad what had kept him from his studies in school. Later on, when he was an adult, the famous artist was often heard saying, It was my mother's kisses that made me an artist. I would love all of your kids to have experiences where they get that kind of support from you. Let me tell you another story about a woman named Olga Ayala, Ayala, A-Y-A-L-A. She was a very famous sculptor. When she was growing up as a little girl, her mom was very depressed and she was uh, diagnosed as being bipolar. So when his dad, when her dad went off to work, he told her to take care of her mom. 
Well, the mom had always had dreams of being an artist, but she grew up poor and in Puerto Rico. And so at that point in time, because of the lack of resources and also because she was supposed to stay home as the mom while her husband worked, she kind of gave up on her dream. That was one of the things I think that probably made her depressed. When Olga was five years old, she remembers one day seeing her mom doodling on the grocery list. And she went up and looked and she saw her mom drawing a picture of Mickey Mouse. And it was incredibly real to life. And it shocked her. And she said, I thought, I, was, I thought my mom was like a god. And I told her, you've got to teach me how to do that. And from that day forward, she was always drawing. She kept getting in trouble at school because she wasn't focusing on her schoolwork. She wasn't focusing on the teachers. She just wanted to draw. At a parent-teacher conference, the teacher told her parents, uh, Olga is not doing her lessons. She's always just drawing. And her parents' answer to that was, thank goodness, we need to buy Olga more paper at home. Olga's mom continued to inspire her in her work, um, and that allowed her to have the fuel to become a world-class sculptor. So first and foremost, encourage them. Encourage their dreams, encourage their passions. And also, another thing we can do to support them is to ask them questions about their motivation. Ask them why they love to draw, why they love to do anything that they're doing, their, their interests, their passions, and then listen as they express their feelings. Listen as they express their intrinsic motivation to you. They may tell you they want to help people, or they love to have adventures, or they love to travel. You listen and help them discover their intrinsic motivation so that you can follow their lead. Let me give you some examples about what that might look like. I saw a girl in my office a couple years ago. She was nine years of age. I saw her because she was all stressed out. She had joined a new competitive dance team. And it was, it was like a four days a week of practice. And the weekends, there's all kinds of competitions. And she started getting stressed and anxious because she was worried she was going to make a mistake and mess up and then, and then mess it up for the whole team and then get kicked off the squad. I remember I asked her, I said, that's a lot of pressure. I said, why do you love dance so much? Why do you keep going? And her answer was very telling. This little nine-year-old told me, I love dance competitions because I love the costumes and being on stage. There's so much room to dance and I feel so free. Oh, that's awesome. That's why she loves to dance. I remember one time at a father-daughter retreat. I think I mentioned this in another podcast at one point, but I'll repeat it anyway. This little girl was uh, seven or eight years of age, and I was talking to the dads and the daughters at this father-daughter retreat about about this motivation thing and asking the girls questions. So so this little girl was sitting on her dad's lap in the front row. So I said to her, I said, what's your favorite thing to do? And she said, I love to dance. I said, well, why do you love to dance so much? And then the girl said this. She said, you know what? At first... When I first started dancing, there was all these things, I had, all these steps and things I had to memorize and do it the way the teacher wants. But well, once I'm out there, I can start creating my own dance steps, my own dance moves. She said, I feel so free, and I feel like I'm finally in control. I'll never forget her dad sitting behind her, nodding his head back and forth like, I have never heard this before, because he had never asked. That's why this little girl loves to dance. She loves to do her own thing. She loves to be in charge. I saw a 17-year-old girl in my office practice, my counseling practice, several years ago, and uh, she was into theater a lot. And so I asked her, why do you love uh, theater? 
And this is her quote. She said, I love musical theater because I love to sing. I love to dance. But most of all, I love to tell stories, to take an audience on a journey. And I also, I also love the close relationships I get with the team that I work with on all these plays. Another girl, a 16-year-old who also was in theater, told me, I love dance and theater because I love communicating with the audience and telling a story. Those are keys into what our daughter's motivation is and also keys to sometimes helping them find things that may not be about being a, a, an actress her whole life, but about how you can take that and relate it to other jobs, other careers, other callings. There's a girl who was about, uh, I think she was about 11 or 12. She was in seventh grade. And I remember at one time, uh, she was kind of stressed out because of her because of her gymnastics. She was a high-level gymnast and lots of competitions and, and trying to be the best. I remember she was talking about the stress, but then I asked her, I said, why do you keep doing that? Gymnastics for a lot of these kids, especially the high-level ones, is five days a week. She gets home from school at like three o'clock. She's, she's a gym, at the gym at 3.30 and she's there until 8.30 at night, five days a week. And then there's also a practice on Saturday, much less all the traveling and the tournaments. So I said, why do you do all that? What's your motivation? And remember she told me, she said, you know, my favorite thing is, is doing the floor exercise. Because I'm standing at the corner on the mat all by myself and all the eyes are on me and I get this feeling. It's like I'm so like right there. And then when I start to perform, she said, I just, I just love it. I just, I'm in my glory. That's why she does gymnastics. She loves to perform. She loves that moment of being in flow. And of course, that can be related to any kind of thing that she does with her life. So all these feelings and these passions that you can help your kids discover within themselves, you just listen for it, you ask a question about what, what's it about for them, then you mirror it back so they internalize those feelings. They internalize their intrinsic motivation. And that is always there for them. And that motivation, those feelings, that passion, that's what's going to fuel them to work hard and to keep at it and to overcome obstacles, and not give up, and stay determined. And it's also the motivation and the passion that will help them become the most fulfilled, because it's their thing, for their reasons. Another thing we can do to support our daughters uh, with their dreams is to help them with experiences that might be, might be related to their dream, that will help them expand their dream discover new things about themselves and, and their careers and jobs that re might relate to their interests and their dream. For instance, if they just tell you they want to end up being a soccer star, just like Abby Wambach, you can take your daughter to soccer games, have read biographies about, about soccer players, like Abby Wambach, for instance. If they want to be a rock star, you can get them music lessons, buy them a guitar, take them to concerts, Help them to uh, become a member of an orchestra or a band. Uh, Stevie Nicks, who was a, a lead singer for Fleetwood Mac, she remembers in 10th grade she was transferred, or her parents moved to a, a new town in, in uh, California. And she remembered that she got this magical guitar teacher who was incredible and inspired her. And after only a couple months of lessons, he left for Spain. But before he left, he sold his guitar to, to her parents without her knowing until one day she came home and found that guitar laying on her bed. 
And Stevie Nicks said, I still have that guitar. And I wrote up my first song that day. Not too long after, she had a boyfriend for a few months, and they broke up, and she was so distraught, it inspired her to write a song. And she played it for her parents through her tears. And then she said, you know, I've only learned 10 chords, which is all I know today on the guitar. Think about that. She knows 10 chords, and she's a famous guitarist and, and singer for Fleetwood Mac. And she said, I felt like I didn't really need more lessons, because all I really wanted to do was write music. And I started writing music all the time, writing songs. It became my joy. I knew writing songs would be my path. I read that book in a very, I read that story, excuse me, in a very interesting book called 1963, which I would recommend for anybody who lived through that era. Peter Frampton, another great rock and roll guitarist. He had, he had a great story about, uh, about the inspiration that he got. And it wasn't from his parents. When he was about nine years of age, he was in the Boy Scouts. And he was working on his music proficiency badge. And he had to play a song in front of the whole troop. And he was accompanied by some old woman, apparently. So he did this first song. And then everybody was clapping. And he got really inspired. And so he said, since you like me so much... I want to do one of my own compositions. Well, the head scout leader told him to get off the stage, but he refused. And he said, I was introverted and shy, but I knew I could do one thing really well. And I do have some courage. And that's what the guitar did for me. It was like my sword. And then this is also what Peter Frampton said about that experience. Right then and there, when I had the stage, no one can tell you what to do once you're out there and communicating with the audience. You've got the stage, and that's it. I learned very early on that that's where I'm most happy. No one comes on and tells you what to do. It's the music and the audience, and by now I am realizing that I enjoy playing in front of other people. That's how Peter Frampton, Peter Frampton discovered his dream, by an experience that he was allowed to have through the Scouts. So it's good for us to start trying to find ways for kids to find those experiences. Another story. This is about a, the singer Ella Fitzgerald, a very famous woman. And she remembered uh, she went to amateur night at the Harlem Opera House as an awkward, skinny 16-year-old. So she goes on stage. She's really scared. And the announcer said to the crowd, our next entertainer is going to dance for us. Wait, what? What? And hold on. Hold on a second. Ella started pulling on his, on his uh, coat. So he turned to her and he said, what's wrong, honey? There's a pause as she whispered to the man. And he stood back up. He said, there's been a correction, folks. She's changed her mind. She is not going to dance. She's going to sing. She sang a song and must have done a great job because the audience went crazy. And they ended up demanding three encores for the shy little girl who ended up winning the first prize. And with that experience, Ella Fitzgerald began her illustrious singing career. Great story. Experiences oftentimes are what either creates dreams or helps kids to reform or to refine their dreams. So if your daughter wants to be an astronaut, uh, take her to museums. Go to Chicago to that beautiful space museum. Have her, have her watch documentaries about space travel. Have her read biographies about astronauts, people in the space program. Have, re, have her watch that movie Hidden Figures about the women who helped uh, 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 the space uh, the space program. If they love animals, have them maybe uh, talk to their local vet or maybe see if you can have her shadow a vet for a day. 
uh, have her have her go to the zoo. She may end up not becoming uh, a veterinarian, but she might end up becoming a, an advocate for animals in some way. She may find a cause in that on on and create an online site to save the whales or save the dolphins. She could become an animal trainer or write books about animals like Jane Goodall. So it's our job to help them discover their intrinsic motivation. You can ask them questions like about what are they doing when they're the happiest? What are they doing when they're in those flow moments, when they lose time because they're so into something? What are they doing in those moments? Who are they with? Where are they? We can ask questions like that to help them to discover, refine, expand their dreams. And, and we can also guide girls to discover many ways they can experience, <clears throat> excuse me, that same interest and passion and feelings that may not be directly about becoming a rock and roll star. Another thing we can do to help support our kids in their dreams is help them find tribes of kids with similar interests. If they love working with their hands and building things, help them uh, help them uh, just, or excuse me, encourage them to join a robotics club at school. If they loved uh, music, help them to to be in a band or to form a band or to be in the orchestra at school. Uh, help them uh, encourage them to join the play at school and be and be around theater kids if that's what their interest is. Or if there's no club at school, help them to create their own clubs. I remember I, I remember talking to a mom one time who was from Texas. She called me as a, she was a news reporter and she wanted to, to get my thoughts on some news story. And as as people are wont to do sometimes, she started telling me about her kid. She had a 16 year old son who she said was unmotivated in school. He was very, very bright, but he wouldn't do his work, wouldn't turn things in. She said he's not into anything. He has no motivation at all. And I said to her, I don't believe that. I said, I bet he's, there's something that he likes to do or something he's putting his time into. I said, what does, he, what does he do? And she said, well, he does like to read. He's always reading books about politicians and, and ex-presidents and people like that. She said he actually even uh, created his own political science club at his high school because he likes it so much. That was his passion and dream. So he, he created a club to find other people who also like to talk about politics. As best you can, help surround them with other people who are compa- I'm excuse me, who are passionate about the same thing that they are. And when possible, help them meet people who might be in the field that they have an interest in. I have a friend who owns his own advertising company. I've directed lots of young people to go and have lunch with him. I have a good friend who's a, a, a therapist who's worked with kids in all kinds of ways. And so a lot of the young people who are in high school and college who might have an interest in studying psychology... I have them either call this woman or have, have a cup of coffee with her. Which leads me to my next point, which is, as best you can, help find mentors for your daughters who might be in an industry or a career that your daughters have an interest in or a dream about becoming. A lot of times mentors uh, appear without you having to do anything, but sometimes you, you may know somebody that, that could be helpful. I read a wonderful story in the book uh, by Marlo Thomas, which is The Right Words at the Right Time. And uh, this is about an, uh, the writer, Stella Pulo. And she got rubella at age three. And it badly ca- it caused her to have some eye problems. Her eyes were badly crossed. She needed really thick glasses. So she got teased in school a lot. She was called Four Eyes and Weirdo. Every day her grandfather would pick her up after school and he'd see she had been crying. 
And, and she, he asked her what's going on. And she told him that people were calling her weirdo. And her grandfather said to her, weirdo? I'm the weirdo. I have hair in my toes and hair in my ears and everywhere but my head. And that made her laugh and feel better. And he told her, you're very special. And like very special people, there's something different about you. And that kind of different is actually really good. Her grandfather always was always fun, made her laugh. Um, and he didn't care about what other people thought about him. Uh, now, this girl, Stella, wanted to go to university. But as a teen in Australia at that time, that was something that was not really done for girls in real life. That was her dream, but, you know, girls didn't do that back in that day. And her grandfather set her straight. He said, you don't have to be like everybody else. You have the courage inside of you to follow your own path. And he said to her, do you know what Stella means? It means star. And if you add an R to the end of Stella, it becomes stellar. That's as good as it gets. Special, different, and stellar. Those words from her grandfather inspired her to follow her dreams. And she did go to university. And she moved to New York. And those, world, those words from her grandfather allowed her to become a writer. A good mentor can make all the difference in the world for your, for your daughters to, to support their dreams when sometimes we can't. And many times they find them on their own. I bet everybody listening to this podcast can think back when they were growing up about some adult who made a difference for them, who maybe gave them the right words at the right time or a little urge or a little kick in the butt that helped them to shift into finding their calling or their passion. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's like this uh, other woman uh, who's a Nobel laureate, Elizabeth Blackburn. I read a story about her. Um, she was a... Um, she was at the home of a friend's house one time, and a man said to her, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Elizabeth Blackburn said, I'm going to be a scientist. And this man said, what's a nice girl like you doing going into science? And Elizabeth said she was so shocked that she kept her mouth shut in a moment. But she said, I was all the more determined. In a way, I'm quite grateful to that man. So sometimes it's, it's that kind of words at the right time that gives kids the fuel to say, you know what, I'll show you. For those of you parents who are saying, yeah, but, you know, there's the real world and you got to make a living, you got to pay the rent, and you have to be practical, let me talk about that for just a few minutes. If you have a daughter who, who loves animals, you can talk to her along the way. Not when she's five and say, and say, that's impractical, but as she gets older, as she gets into her teen years, you can talk about how she might turn that passion she has about animals into a career. And you can talk about all kinds of careers that have to do with animals. Or she could choose another career that would provide more income for her. And then she could spend time with animals on the side. You know, maybe in the evenings, on the weekends. That can be more of a, a cause or a passion she has, not a career. You don't need to micromanage that dream. Encourage her to spend time with animals. Learn as much about animals as she can. And then start showing her what kind of careers might be possible that have to do with animals. And you can also talk about what that kind of career can and cannot give to her. Talk about the kind of incomes. Check out what do those people make, where they have to live, what kind of education, what kind of training do they need. You can talk about those kinds of things along the way. And then she can make choices based upon that. Over time, you can also discuss what fields include the interests. 
because so many interests and passions are transferable to other things. That passion from our gymnasts about performing for other people might be about becoming a motivational speaker, about becoming a coach. Uh, girls who have interests in all kinds of all kinds of things, like I mentioned before, like those dancers who want to be in control. That's probably going to be an entrepreneur who starts their own business. So those dreams and passions can be transferable. So don't squish the passion. Sometimes it just needs to be redirected by them over time. Along the way, they may need a reality check. If their dream is to go to Harvard and, or go to MIT and become a neurophysicist, and they're a junior in high school and their GPA is 2.8, you know, you might want to sit them down and educate them about, you know, where they're at. You could go online to MIT and look at the average GPA of incoming freshmen. And if the average GPA of incoming freshmen at Harvard or MIT is probably four, a 4.0 or a 4.6, and they've got 2.8, I would say, hmm, right now you're not in alignment with that. What could you do? I wouldn't squish it. I would just help them to know what's going on. You need to educate them sometimes. They want to be a, uh, a marine biologist. I'd say, oh, that's great. I said, you know, what kind of training do you need for that? I don't know. Let's check. Or, you know, maybe talk to your school counselor about what, what kind of uh, education you need. And they'll find out that you need maybe a degree in, in marine biology. And then you look at, you know, where are those schools that have those kind of programs? Probably on the coasts, maybe in Florida or California, probably. And then you can talk about, again, or, or look at what kind of background do you need? What kind of GPA do you need to get into those kinds of programs? If you want to be an artist, then you probably need a portfolio. There's all kinds of things you can do to help educate them about what they need in the moment to keep pursuing that dream. The other thing to remember is, even though your kid may not be the best at art or basketball or whatever at the moment, a lot of skills can be learned. They can get better. So I wouldn't discourage them from a dream because they're not good at something yet. Basketball player Michael Jordan did not make the varsity basketball team. when He was, I think, a sophomore in high school. He didn't quit. His parents didn't say, you suck. Or, you're never going to be an NBA player. Michael Jordan got more determined. And we all know who Michael Jordan is and became. He became uber, <laughs> uber motivated almost to his detriment. But that kind of skill, basketball, can be learned and improved upon, as can a lot of things. I think our job is to listen to our kids, listen to what things mean to them, get to know her, get to know what makes her tick, and also help her get to know herself, what her motivations are, what her interests are, what her passions are, what her aptitude is. You've got, to, you've got to learn to know your daughter well, to know if their dream is within their reach. And, and your daughter's got to learn the same thing about herself. She's got to have a good understanding of herself to know, you know what she's capable of. And they need to also understand over time the kind of nitty-gritty everyday work that their dream is going to require of them. Mastery in anything, whether you're talking about the violin, whether you're talking about advertising, whether you're talking about basketball, no matter what it is, mastery only comes with autonomy. If someone is not doing something because it's their thing, their choice, their desire, their passion, their dream, they're probably not going to put in the hours it's going to take to become good at something. They're not going to be fully engaged because they're doing it for other people's reasons, 
to please other people, to not disappoint other people, i.e. their parents. They're not going to put those quote-unquote 10,000 hours of smart practice into whatever they're doing to become good at, what, at, at, their, at their craft. They've got to be autonomous. They've got to be fully engaged and put their mind and their heart and their soul into something. And that comes from them having dreams. Finding your calling, finding your purpose, pursuing your dream is an inside job mostly. It can't be about us and what we want for them or what we think is practical for them. There's an Eagles song called Already Gone. It has a really nice uh, stanza. And it goes like this. I know it wasn't you who held me down. Heaven knows it wasn't you who set me free. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we have the key. So the key is your daughter's dream, her passion, her interest, what she decides she wants to do. It's the autonomy part. So remember that. A couple last quick thoughts about helping to support your daughter's dreams. One of them is your modeling. Are you modeling going after your dream? Or have you settled? I have lots of young girls in high school and college, young women, who are anxious about their futures. And one of the reasons is because they've watched their parents lead miserable lives. Their judgment is their parents settled and it's caused them to be very unhappy and resentful. And they don't want to do that. If, on the other hand, they've seen their parents take risks, get out of their comfort zones, go for it, go after their dreams... I think it helps give kids the courage to do it for themselves as well. I remember, I, I remember one time I was at a banquet. I, I've been on the board of Big Brothers Big Sisters in, in our St. Louis chapter for about 20 years. And the banquet was about celebrating the bigs and the littles from the past year. And uh, the big brother of the year uh, came up and gave a little talk. And then his, his little, his little brother that he had been mentoring for the past, I think, six or seven years, came up to give a little talk. And this was a 16-year-old boy, and he was incredibly articulate and incredibly insightful. And one of the things that he said was so prescient. He said this. He said, My big brother didn't tell me how to live. He lived, and in doing so, he showed me what to do. Couldn't say it better. Your example is so important. Dreamers need to find their passion. They need to find something they love doing, something they can be happily working at, hard at, for hours on end, something that calls to them, something they do because they just can't live without it. The famous violin player Itzhak Perlman has a nice story about overcoming adversity and also about his passion. Before he was four years of age, Isaac Perlman experienced two things that profoundly shaped his future. First of all, he was crippled by polio. And secondly, he heard a recording of the famed violinist Yaka Heifetz. Perlman says that although the polio took away his legs, Heifetz's music gave him wings. And, and that, those wings provided a dream that set him on the road to musical greatness. You never know where your kids are going to find their dreams, their passions, or their encouragement, or their mentorship. But I would do your best to be on top of it, 
as best you can to find the things I've talked about in this podcast. Encourage and support their dreams. And even more important, encourage and support them and their passions. Let me finish with a story that I read in the book, The Right Words at the Right Time. This is by a man named David Kelly. And he remembers going to hockey camp when he was 11 years of age. And he, he lived in Boston. And there he met his hero, Bobby Orr, who is considered to be the greatest hockey player of all time, the greatest defensive player of all time. He met Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr was running this camp. He skated with him, played games and stuff like that. He, he just was in, in hog heaven. And he, remembered, he remembered Bobby Orr uh, taking kind of an interest in him. He would come by and tap him on the shin pads. On the last day of camp, uh, he promised Bobby Orr that he would come to Boston Garden the next season and see him play. And Bobby Orr said, you do that. Well, the next season came. And so, of course, David Kelly went to, the, to a hockey game. He's 11 years of age. And he stood in the runway hours before the game to see if he couldn't see Bobby Orr as they walked out onto the ice. There were hundreds of kids there. And they were pushing him back. And he wasn't in the front row. He was so disappointed. He was so excited. And when Bobby Orr came down the runway, down the tunnel, to go onto the ice, he had a serious game face on. But right before he got to the ice, his glove reached out and grabbed the boy's hand and squeezed it right before he stepped onto the ice. And David Kelly said, as an 11-year-old, that squeeze meant to me, I remember you and it's great to see you again. He said, but what it mostly said was who and what Bobby Orr was. The greatest hockey player in the world, yes, but he touched me again with his kindness it taught me it is not what you say in life, it's not what you do, but rather how you be, how you are as a person. David Kelly decided that day he wanted to grow up and be just like Bobby Orr, and he hopes his children will do the same. The world needs dreamers, and the world needs doers. But above all else, the world needs dreamers who do. Encourage and support your kids' dreams and help them to follow them so that they discover who they are and they discover their calling over time. Thanks so much for stopping by to this podcast, Raising Daughters. I always encourage you to pass these on to other people who have daughters you think it might be of interest to. I appreciate you stopping by each week. If the information in these podcasts is, is important and you'd like to learn more about, about Raising Daughters, uh, check out our website at drtimjordan.com. Uh, I have an online parenting course there. It's called Parenting Girls, The Challenges Girls Face Today with Their Feelings and Friends and What They Need. You get lots of great practical tips there and tools that will help you to raise the daughter that you want to raise. I will see you back here in the next week or two with another podcast. Uh, take care and encourage your daughter's dreams. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 